0: Well, good morning. It is a joy to be here with the saints of Second Presbyterian Church on All Saints Sunday. It is very, very good to be back among you. It's been a long time. So thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation to share with you God's word this morning. I have chosen a text for a reflection that presents a particular vision of the missionary task. So won't you pray with me as we go to God's word? God of all life, gather the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts and convert them into your word for our lives today. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The text comes to us from the 17th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning with the 22nd verse. Listen for God's word. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, the God who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is God served by human hands, as though God needed anything since God is the one who gives all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, God made all the nations to inhabit the whole earth. And God allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for God and find God. So indeed, God is not far from each one of us. For in God, we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we too are God's offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now God commands all people everywhere to repent because God has fixed a day on which God will have the world judged in righteousness by the one whom he has appointed. And of this, God has given assurance to all by raising this one from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. God. The writer of the book of Acts has given us what we might think of as a collection of model sermons, examples of how the first Christians shared the good news of Jesus Christ with the people around them. And in this case, the sermon is placed in the mouth of Paul. And I am struck by where he begins. Aren't you? with our common humanity. We all come from one ancestor. All of us were made by God. And our religiosity, this impulse that we have to search and to connect with that which is beyond us is also part of our humanity. God praises the Athenians for their religiosity. All people, says Paul, have searched for God, groped for God, and even found God. Uh, As you've already heard, I had the privilege of serving for 13 years in Guatemala, and I served with SEDEPCA, the Evangelical Center for Pastoral Studies in Central America. I was able to live in Quetzaltenango in the Western Highlands, where I know some of you have visited. And Sudebka had and still has a group of Bible Institute students in the community of Kantel, a K'iche' community just south of Quetzaltenango. And the first couple times I went up there, and those of you who have been there can understand this, um, I was accompanied by someone from the Sudebka staff who wanted to be sure I would find the Presbyterian Church in the middle of the cornfield where the classes were held. But the first time I went up to Pakchak on my own, I got this question. Hermana Carla, what do you think of Evangelicos or Protestants who participate in Maya ceremonies? At that point in my time in Guatemala, I had not yet been invited to be part of a Maya ceremony but I can tell you now they are very intense times of prayer around a fire. I did not know where this question was coming from. Was it a trick question? Were they trying to test the orthodoxy of the new missionary? To see if she, like her predecessors decades before, would condemn the way their ancestors had worshipped? Or was it a sincere question coming from folks struggling to be followers of Jesus Christ as Maya within a Maya community? I had no idea. So I turned the question back to them. I asked, well, what do you think? Was God here in Guatemala and in Pachac, before the Spanish conquerors came? and brought Christianity with them, they began to whisper furiously among themselves in Quiche. And at that point, I did not understand a word of what they were saying. But after a couple of minutes, they turned back to me. And one of them said, yes, we believe that God was here before the Spanish came. All right, then, I said, do you believe that your ancestors Searched for God and found God, experienced God. Once again, words flew through the air in K'iche'. Then they turned to me and said, Yes, we believe our ancestors searched for God and found God and experienced God. Then I said to them, all of those learnings, all that you and your culture have learned about God through the millennium, you bring that with you when you come to Christ. And Christ goes with you wherever you go. And there are many, many, many ways to worship God. Athens in the time of Paul was full of the worship of many gods. There were statues everywhere, some of which still exist, many of which have been lost. And with the statues were altars dedicated to different deities, some Greek, some Roman, some from the different peoples that the Roman Empire had conquered. Each deity had its own group of worshipers. But I am struck as Paul was by this altar erected to an unknown God. Now, now think about this for a minute. This means that a group of people, obviously with some resources, had gotten together to commission the statue and the altar and to maintain the altar. It's as if they were saying, none of these other religious groups, none of these other deities are responding to our questions, to our needs. There must be something more. These folks who put up that altar make me think of folks today who say, oh, I'm spiritual but not religious. Have you met any of those folks? There's more and more of them today in Central America. Just just what are they saying? I think they're saying that None of the religious institutions, not the church I grew up in, not the church down the street, not the synagogue around the corner, or the new mosque in town, none of these religious institutions answer my needs, respond to my questions. And yet, and yet, I feel I am connected to that which is beyond me. I am spiritual. Sociologists tell us that in times of crisis, new questions emerge. The old answers just don't work anymore. Perhaps you felt that way at some point during the pandemic. Our theological certainties didn't seem so certain any longer. And the ways we were used to doing church and being church just were no longer possible. But sisters and brothers, I can tell you today that pandemic disease is nothing new in human history nor in the history of Christ's church. Shortly after the pandemic started, I read again with my students in the history of Christianity course, a text by the sociologist Rodney Stark. In English, the title of the book is The Rise of Christianity. And Stark uses the tools of social science to try to understand why Christianity grew so fast in those decades and those first centuries after Jesus's death. He has a chapter in the book dedicated to the epidemics that began to sweep through the Roman Empire, starting with the second century. We don't know exactly what diseases these were. The ancient texts don't describe the symptoms in any way that make it possible for modern medicine to determine what were the diseases that were killing people. The medical advice at the time, in the second century, was abandon the sick. If people start dropping dead in the cities, flee to the countryside. But the Christians didn't do that. The Christians have been commanded by Jesus to love their neighbors and to care for the sick. And that's what they did. Then as now, if people who are sick are given care, water and food, their chances of surviving greatly increase. Also, the Christians were not afraid of dying because death would unite them with Christ. And the Christians who cared for the sick among their number and among their neighbors, who then fell sick themselves and recovered, then they could move among the ill without becoming sick again. Surely, surely this was a miracle from God. Stark says that after each epidemic, the percentage of Christians in the population was higher than it had been before the epidemic. These women and men whose names we do not know, who cared for their sick neighbors were missionaries and they helped the Church of Jesus Christ, the community of Jesus' followers grow. We know that during the COVID pandemic, people were looking for answers. They were asking new questions. At the Latin American Biblical University, our enrollment in our online theology courses jumped by 50% between March and May of 2020. The numbers have continued to grow, though not as fast. People were asking questions, new questions, and they were looking for answers. Some turned to theological studies to find support and encouragement as they sought those answers. Now we have emerged from the pandemic and we are learning to live with COVID as an endemic disease, something that's always in the background, but there are new questions. Our churches are different. They feel different. It's certainly true in Costa Rica. I imagine it is true here for you. In many cases, folks got used to not coming to services on Sunday. And some have enjoyed and continue to enjoy the way social media have allowed them to connect with services from wherever they may be. And we're really glad for the people who are connecting this morning online. But did our churches grow during the pandemic? Some did. Others did not. And our questions continue. I'm sure these questions will be front and center for you here at Second as you start your mission study and seek new pastoral leadership. Questions. Questions. I'm here to tell you today that we as Christians don't have all the answers. But we do know we do know, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. We know the one who has promised to be with us now and until the end of the age, the one who has been with us through the pandemic and the one who is with us still, Jesus, the one whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who invites us to this table to share this meal as we remember his death and announce his promise to come and be with us again. Siblings in Christ, this is the good news that we have to share, that God is with us. Thank you, thank you so very much for your ongoing support of Presbyterian World Mission and for our work at the Latin American Biblical University. Que Dios nos bendiga. Let us pray. O God of all the living, in whom we live and move and have our being, please move within us and move us to where you want us to share your good news. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.